Good morning. So good to see you today. I'm glad you are here. Whether you are here often or it's your first time or one of your first times here, welcome. We're so glad to worship together this day. Hey, we're continuing our February series called It's Spiritual. You know, so often we think of spiritual activities in our lives as things like uh, attending church, reading the Bible, um, uh, praying. We think about those spiritual activities in our lives. But this month, we're pausing to consider how our relationship with money is actually a spiritual matter. Jesus talked a lot about money because what we do with our money leads our hearts. So we're discovering that the way that we relate to our money, the way that we manage our money can actually be a catalyst for a deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, if you haven't uh, been a part of this for the first two weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages as we kind of laid that foundation to understand why our finances are a spiritual issue. Now, as a part of this series, together we're looking forward to next Sunday, and we're, it's going to be a big day. We're calling it the Big Give Challenge. We're challenging 100% of the people of Alma Church of God to give 10% of one paycheck on or before February 27th. That's next Sunday. Now, as we do that together, uh, it's not just a transaction. It's something that forms our hearts. As we give, we get to express our gratitude for God's blessings in our lives. We're demonstrating our trust in God's provision. We're experiencing the joy of giving together. We're growing in our generosity, and we're imagining what is possible when we trust the Lord together. Now, maybe this idea of giving a tithe is a new idea for you. And so next Sunday provides an opportunity to try this for the very first time just with one paycheck. Or perhaps you're someone who already gives regularly, and this would be a next step in growing your giving. Or maybe you're someone who already has the practice of tithing in your life. And this is an opportunity for you to consider what God might be inviting you to do to participate. Maybe you'll join me and my family. We'll be giving a double tithe uh, for this uh, challenge to be a part of it as we all grow in our generosity. And I'm praying that God does some big things in our hearts, Uh, big things as we give as individuals and as a church. I'm praying that God does some big things in us as a church family. Now, we'll be tracking all of the money that comes in for the Big Give Challenge. So when you give, please be sure to indicate that you're giving to be a part of that. You can just write that on your giving envelope, or if you're giving online, you'll see those uh, or that option on a drop-down menu there. And the reason why we, we want to know how much comes in for this challenge, because we will be giving 10%, a tithe of what comes in, to a ministry called Good Laundry in Flint. Uh, If you were here last week, we heard a little bit from Pastor Leo Robinson by video. Uh, He pastors Good Church, which uh, is a brand new church plant that began in 2020. And this church plant, they believe that part of their calling is to transform their local community. And so uh, they want to do that by generously loving the people around them and being aware of real needs right in the community where they live. 
So because of that, they've discovered that laundry is a real issue. Uh, It's called hygiene poverty. It impacts a person's ability to go to school or work or just uh, participate in daily life. And they've discovered that that if they can provide this opportunity, this facility uh, for laundry, that that it can uh, actually help contribute to a person's self-worth and dignity to have clean clothes. So uh, this good church ministry, they're transforming part of their facility into an area called Good Laundry. And they are in the home stretch of this project. Hopefully it will be open later this spring. Uh, And I'm so glad that we get to be a part of that. So we'll give a tithe of what comes in for the Big Give Challenge to Good Laundry there in Flint. I'm so excited about this Big Give Challenge. Now, if, if you've been here for a few weeks and you've been a part of this series, or maybe this is your first time here today, and you might be wondering, why all of this talk about money? Should someone tell Pastor Aaron this can be an awkward topic for people? Why so many weeks? Why so much conversation about money? You might be wondering, is, is the church in financial crisis? Is that why they're talking about money so much? No, we're not. Actually, we have so much to celebrate about the generosity of God's people and the great faithful stewardship of decades of leadership here in the church. We're in a very healthy financial position. We're not talking about this as a fundraising effort. We're talking about this this month because it's an issue of discipleship. Because the way that we relate to and manage our money is actually a spiritual issue. Jesus raised this topic over and over. Uh, You'll see this information here on the screen. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus are concerned with how we handle money and possessions. Jesus said more about money than almost any other subject. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,350 verses on money and possessions. Jesus talked about this a lot because money leads our hearts. And I believe, friends, if we can settle this area in our lives, in our spiritual lives, it really does impact the way in which we follow Jesus. If we can trust God with something as high stakes as our money, we then find that our heart follows and we begin to grow in our trust of the Lord in every area of our lives. See, the way we handle money can stifle our spiritual growth, or it can be a catalyst to a deeper relationship with Jesus. We're going to look at a number of scriptures today. Uh, The first one is this. We find the Apostle Paul uh, writing about some spiritual dynamics about money and giving, specifically in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapters 8 and 9. That's a great read. I'd encourage you to spend some time there this week. And Paul is describing giving as much more than a transactional activity, much more than writing a check. 
The Apostle Paul is describing the way that we're invited to participate in the generosity of God, to experience his provision to us and the way that we can help provide for others. So the Apostle Paul is describing what happens in our hearts as we give. Let's take a look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 6. You'll see it on the screen as well. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Right here in the center of this passage is the phrase, God loves a cheerful giver. And today as we talk about giving, I want this phrase to be at the center for us because this is a powerful concept. And this needs to be at the center of how we think about our giving and how we think about tithing because it is not meant to be a guilt trip. Can I say that clearly? This is not a subject that should be guilt or manipulation or or coercion. And when we read this statement, God loves a cheerful giver, I believe that the message of this is not this idea where you say, you got to do this and be cheerful about it right? I do not believe that's the heart of this. Rather, this passage is telling us that we can actually order our lives and our giving in such a way that it is a source of great joy in our lives. I love how this reads uh, in the message. Let me read that, verse 7. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. I love this. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. What a wonderful and beautiful statement that is. And I believe that that can be our experience, that we can delight in the giving. So let's take some time to unpack that today and and begin to think about how that's possible, that we can live in a way that that our giving orders our lives uh, and and brings joy to us. And so as we do that, we're going to today uh, dive in to understand the biblical concept of the tithe. Now, a tithe uh, is the biblical practice of giving the first 10% of your income back to God through the local church. Now, central to this idea of a tithe is the concept of first fruits. Now, you'll see this, especially in the Old Testament, when we see giving, when we see offerings, so often that word first is very important when we understand this principle of giving. We first find this uh, right near the very beginning of the scripture in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter Do you remember these brothers? There's a lot of drama with these brothers and some horrible things that unfolds between them. These are the kids of Adam and Eve. Let's take a look uh, at part of their story, Genesis chapter 4, halfway through verse 2. 
Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked, on, looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So as we read this passage here, uh, it, it raises the question for us, why did God look with favor on one offering and not the other? I don't know. I think as a kid, I always thought maybe God did not like being treated like a vegetarian, right? You know, he didn't like the fruits and veggies, you know? I think about the Arby's commercial, we have the meat, right? Uh, you know, my kids say that sometimes. You know, I think, I don't know, is that God's perspective? You know, Abel has the meat, you know? I, I don't know. Is, is this why God uh, liked that offering more than Cain's? But as we dive in to look at the text, I believe it's, it's clear to us it's actually not about the content of the offering. See, if you look at the text, I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of words here. It says, Cain brought some, Abel brought the firstborn. See, there's a difference in the way they approached the offering. God wants the first not the leftovers. Because here's the, here's, the, here's the thing about tithing. We find it right here in the text. The way in which we give the gift impacts our hearts. Now, I was talking with my kids about this. Uh, we were discussing this passage and God's response to these offerings of Cain and Abel. And we kind of talked about it like this. If, if, if you imagine you have 10 $1 bills, you know, as a kid, this is a good day. If you have 10 $1 bills in front of you and you think maybe you're going to arrange those dollars into piles and you got some candy money over here and then some money that you're going to be saving for the video game that you want over here. And, you know, you've, you've got plans for the money. And so if you kind of divide that into piles and, and then you say a little here, a little there, and oh, you know, I think I'm going to give this part to God here. Well, then you imagine a different scenario where you have those piles of money, and, and how, how what, what might happen if, if you look at those piles and you say, before I decide where this is going to go, I'm going to take this one dollar here, and this is God's. And now I'll decide what I'm going to do and what piles these other nine dollars are going to go into. See, it's interesting, because the truth is the dollar amount might be the same. In both of those scenarios. But the heart impact is not the same in those scenarios. See, this is the, the principle of the tithe. It's the principle of what comes first. Because the way in which we give and the practice of giving in this way really does shape and order our hearts. And this is not because God is after our stuff or our money. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> but God is after our hearts. This idea of, of first things going to God, we find that throughout the Old Testament. And it settles this question for us. Who is the provider of what you have? What's the source of what you have? You see, it's so easy for us to, to believe that is ourselves, right? I made the money. I earned this. This was my sweat equity. 
But you see, the Bible challenges that. It gives us a different perspective. Listen to how it's described in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You see, it's so important how we order our hearts when it comes to our money, when it comes to our stuff. And you see, the thing about this is money in and of itself provides us this sense of power and control. That's why we have to be so intentional about it. Money allows us to have that feeling that that we are providing for our needs, our desires, that we're able to overcome scarcity, that we can even control or manipulate those around us with our money. And because money provides that, that feeling of power and control, we have to be aware of that because it can be a very appealing alternative to trusting in God. And so tithing, tithing, that that first 10% to God becomes an action that shapes our hearts, that we're trusting him, that we're seeing his provision, his ownership of everything we have, and our reliance upon him, that he is God, he is the source, and we are not. Because when we give that first part of our income to God, it shapes our hearts. Now, that might sound a little risky, right? <laughs> what if there is not enough, right? We're, we are all aware that, that money is a limited quantity. We know that to be true when we balance our checkbooks. And 90% to live on is a lot less than 100%. What if 90% is not enough? Well, let's dive in to talk about what we experience and the dynamic that the scripture talks about when we take the challenge and we live this way. One of the well-loved texts when it comes to tithing is Matthew chapter 3, at, excuse me, Malachi chapter 3 at verse 10. It says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This gives us a really powerful promise here in the scripture. And it's one of the few places where God says in the scripture, test me in this. And we have this promise of God here in the text. God says, see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. So let's talk about that a little bit today. What what do we actually experience when we live this way? What does that blessing of God look like when we tithe? I want to talk about that in three uh, different kinds of blessings. The first is this, provision received. When we give, we experience God's provision for our daily needs. 
Dan and I have stories of that in our own lives. I know many of you do as well, that when you give, when you live this way, you discover the Lord provides for your needs. Perhaps there's an extra check that comes in or, or a gift or, or a sale on an item that you need or a job opportunity. There are ways that the Lord provides for our daily needs. That's his promise to us when we give. Now, as I say that, let me also be clear. We don't read this passage of Scripture as if it's some magic formula, as if it's this transaction, right? If I give to God, if I write a check, then I expect this much of a return in dollars to come back to me. That is not what this Scripture says. And be cautious of anyone who tries to treat it like a formula. Rather, At the heart of this blessing that we receive from God is that we begin to experience him as our provider. And that's how we want to know God. That's at the heart of our relationship with him, that he's trustworthy as our provider. And we begin to experience the blessing of knowing him in that way. We think about God as our provider. That's foundational. We read that in the Old Testament as the people were in the wilderness, as the Israelites were wandering, and and the Lord provided manna from heaven, just enough for every day. They experienced God as the provider, and we do too. That God takes care of our daily needs. When we trust him with our money, we discover that he provides for us. That in the economy of the kingdom of God, 90% can actually stretch farther than 100%. Because the truth is, we can't outgive God. <laughs> he loves to provide for his children. So we experience the the blessing of provision received. We also experience the blessing of perspective gained. So the truth is, when you live on 90% of your income, it does change your perspective. Sometimes that perspective uh, change comes as contentment. And the ability to, to cease that constant striving for more, right? We know that, that in our world, our consumeristic culture perpetuates this insatiable appetite for more. You have to have more, 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 as if that will actually satisfy us. <laughs> and sometimes when we're intentional about what we live on and where our money goes, we discover the great blessing of greater contentment with things that Uh, the presence of the Lord that actually satisfies. We find the the perspective of gratitude as we begin to see what we have uh, with fresh eyes as we thank God for all that has been entrusted to us. Another way that we experience the blessing of perspective is, is in the way that we manage our money. Right? When we're intentional about how we manage our money, uh, then we start thinking about those dynamics, where our money is going, our spending, our debt, our giving, our investing. And we discover that, that as we live as stewards and as we live intentionally in the way that we use our money, it changes us. There's a great blessing in that. Another blessing that we find in giving is uh, in tithing, is participation in the kingdom. 
Because when we are tithing, it connects our hearts to God's kingdom. Remember in the first week, we studied that text from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount as he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we give, when we tithe, it connects our hearts and it brings our hearts towards the kingdom because we have ownership there. And that means that our hearts are cultivated for kingdom things in some really awesome ways. Right? Think about how we're praying this is happening through the Big Give Challenge. Our hearts, through this, will have a new connection to good laundry in Flint. Right? A connection that we didn't have before. But through our giving, it's connecting our hearts. As we invest some treasure there, we have this wonderful kingdom connection that's forming. We talk about that all the time here as well. I hope that, that every week you hear us say when we talk about giving, when that screen comes on and we talk about the offering boxes or how you can give online, I hope every week you hear us as we say, thank you for your faithful giving that fuels the mission of Alma Church of God. Thank you for your faithful giving. You're fueling the mission. Think about that. Every time you give, you're attaching your heart to the mission that God has for us. Think about what you're fueling. Let me give you one example of that. We've been talking a lot this year about our His Kids after school program for elementary students, which keeps growing and growing. We only have a few weeks left, but kids are still signing up and we're adding new kids each time we meet. Well, this last Wednesday, I want to tell you about my experience there. The third through fifth graders came. Our group is divided to first and second graders and then third and fifth graders, and they come every other Wednesday. This was the turn for the third, fourth, and fifth graders to come. And this was the first time that they got to come in this calendar year. I'm telling you, with some snow and school closures, uh, we had some things that disrupted our schedule. And so we were all saying, are we ever going to get these third, fourth, and fifth graders back to his kids? Well, they finally came back, and I'm telling you, there was energy in the gym. I want to give you just about a 10-second glimpse. Take a look. Yeah, if you need some energy in your life, show up on Wednesday afternoons. I'm telling you, that, uh, that gym is hopping. I love seeing our gym full of kids. Isn't that amazing? We had 106 uh, with us this Wednesday, and there's more that come on the other weeks from the first and second graders. There is so much energy in that room. These kids were so excited. And we were really praying about the conversation that we were going to have together with them this Wednesday. Uh, you know, we've been studying at His Kids the armor of God. And we've been learning about different pieces of armor and, and what God does in our lives. And this last Wednesday, we talked about the helmet of salvation. 
Now, I'm a group co-leader. I have 13 uh, kids in my group along with Maria Vatier. We lead that together. And Maria led the conversation this week with the kids, and we were discussing the Bible passage, and we were discussing the gift of salvation that God brings to us. And Maria asked the kids, would any of you like to experience Jesus coming into your heart today? And the couple of kids said, I would, and raised their hand, and, and she said, scoot over towards Aaron, and we're going to pray together. And I'm telling you, I thought I was going to have two kids pray with me, but almost our whole group, nine kids, <laughs> turned with me to pray. And we l- gave our hearts to Jesus together. Nine kids, that's just my group, okay? There's eight groups around the gym doing this at the same time. We said amen, and, and I looked at the boy next to me, and he had just this brightness in his face, and he he said, I, I feel different now. <laughs> I said, yes, you do. And the boy next to him said, I know I do too. I feel happy inside. <laughs> I'm telling you, these kids met Jesus for the first time. I love that. That was an incredible day. I'll always remember that day with those kids and his kids this last Wednesday. You know, when, when we give, that's part of the mission that we're feeling. That's why we do it. When you give, you're helping to pay for the heat in that building and the staff who leads the volunteers and the craft and the gas for the buses and uh, the snacks and all of the things. You're fueling that, those encounters with Jesus. See, when we give, it connects our hearts to kingdom things in awesome ways. (laughs) I love that we get to do that together. See, when we give, when we talk about this idea that, that giving can actually be not an obligation or coercion, it can actually be a transformative thing in our lives that forms our hearts and brings so much joy as we experience the blessings of provision and perspective and participation in the kingdom. Tithing is a practice that orders our hearts. And that's why we do that. That's why we give as a regular, ongoing practice. There's many things that we do in our lives as regular, ongoing practices. Just like uh, serving. I think about volunteers who show up here every week and, and serve all the time so faithfully. Sometimes you say, really? You give hours out of your week, every week, to show up and and be an usher or be a greeter. Or I saw someone here early this morning putting salt out on the sidewalks before you got here. Really? People show up every week to volunteer to do those things? Well, of course. You, You might even say, well, of course, because I know practices order our hearts. That's why I show up to church, right? Because you've discovered that that consistent practice in your life makes a difference. Some of you uh, are not able to be with us in person, so you're joining us online because you know the consistent practice makes a difference, right? We know this so much in our, uh, in our journey of following Jesus together. So many places where the Bible talks to us about the power of these ongoing practices, We think about how we take communion together every first Sunday of the month. 
that that's a regular practice for us. Have you ever thought, well, why aren't we doing this again? I did this once. Isn't that good enough? (laughs) But Jesus said, every time you do this, remember me. Because that, that practice orders our lives. Every year, we celebrate Christmas and Easter. Why don't we just celebrate them one time and call it good? Because it's that practice, it's that rhythm of life, of of remembering how God came to dwell with us and how he laid down his life to conquer even death. We remember that every year because those practices order our hearts. the uh, The same is true with tithing. As we give regularly, it orders our hearts. It shapes our hearts. You know, for Dan and I, every Monday morning, we get that email uh, that's a part of our um, ongoing giving that that we do online, and it it gives us that notification. First thing Monday morning, here's our amount that's going to come out every single week. And that regular practice of that being first as we begin the week together, it shapes our hearts. Now, today, as we uh, think about giving, I want to ask you, what's your giving story? What's your giving story? I know all of us have different experiences in the room. Some of you uh, have experienced some things through tithing or, or some of you through other kinds of gifts, one time here or, or perhaps even in other settings. But I want to ask you today about your giving story. In fact, at the end of each row, you'll find a little stack of papers, if you would, share those across the row, um, pass those down, and I want to invite you to write down, to share with me a little bit about your giving story. And I have a few questions as examples there for prompts, if that's helpful to you. Perhaps you want to tell us, how have you experienced God's provision? Maybe there's a time that you've been giving and you've experienced how God provided for you in some really awesome ways. Or maybe you want to write about how giving has shaped your perspective. How when you were able to give a gift, it changed things for you. Or maybe uh, you're thinking of a time when participating in generosity brought joy. And you began to experience the joy of being a part of God's kingdom. Would you take a moment and just write a little bit about your story, your giving story? You can put your name if you want. That's completely up to you. For those of you who are watching online, take a look online at Facebook. We have a link for you so that you can respond as well to those questions because we want to hear from you as well today. So take a moment. Think about that. Write that down, and then when you head out today, we have baskets at the doors, and I'd like for you to put those cards in there. Uh, And I'd like to read this week as we continue to pray about this together, and I'll share some of these next week with us as well as we can talk about what we're learning together as we give. Now, as you're writing, I want to give you a few moments to do that this morning, so go ahead, keep writing. And as you're doing that, I want to take just a a brief moment as we close this out today uh, and uh, answer a few questions that frequently come up when we talk about the subject of tithing. Um, The first question is this, isn't tithing just an Old Testament practice? It's a very good question. Now, here's the thing, when we study the teaching of Jesus, especially when we go to the Sermon on the Mount, we find this pattern of uh, speech and teaching that Jesus has where he'll say, you've heard it said, 
But I say, you know that pattern of Jesus? And do you know what Jesus does in those situations? He does not lower the bar, okay? Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. He actually raises the bar. This is what Jesus does does. And so when we think about tithing and that question, well, isn't this just an Old Testament practice? Uh, Is this actually something that Jesus would invite us to do with our lives? The truth is Jesus raises the bar for us. Uh, If you want to go and read this week, Matthew 23 is a good place to go and read about this. And we find an interaction with Jesus and some of the religious leaders in which very briefly Jesus affirms the tithe, but then he really brings the point to how these religious leaders are living out their faith in the rest of their lives. See, he's raising the bar. In, In essence, Jesus is saying, If you are going to tithe, this is not just a transactional thing as if you just get to check the box and say, I'm good, I'm covered. Rather, God's intention is that this is an action that forms your heart, so then it changes the way you live out God's mission. Second question that comes up, uh, should a tithe be given to the church or should it be given to elsewhere? Could it be divided up between different kinds of ministry? That's a great question. Uh, I would say the tithe should be given to the local church in the sense that our theology and the way that we understand what it is to be followers of Jesus is that when we choose to follow him, we are a part of the body of Christ. And that we then, as a local church, as a local body, are the embodiment of the mission of Jesus right here in the place in which we live. So when we think about our theology of living out that mission together, then we first give our tithe through that mission that we live out together. So because of that, when we give a tithe to the local church, we give it as an unrestricted gift, sort of a general offering when we give to the church. And that's another question that often comes up when we think about the tithe and, and how we give that gift. But a tithe, biblically, is a gift that has no strings attached, uh, and we give it with open hands. We're not directing its use in a particular way. Because the truth is, when we direct the use of our financial giving, it can create some challenges, right? Think about that with me. Uh, It's always exciting to give to particular projects like missions or kids ministry or other special projects. Um, That's always a lot of fun. But But, you know, those are the things that we're excited to sign up for. I've never, ever uh, met someone who said, hey, can I volunteer to pay the heating bill or purchase the toilet paper for the year, right? Those are not the things that we usually get really excited about. So when we give a tithe, we give that as an unrestricted uh, gift with open hands to the church. We entrust that to our church leadership. And then a key part of that, which we have in place here, is that we hold our leadership accountable for every dollar and how we use that, how we steward that money through our church governance system. Third question, uh, what if tithing doesn't seem like an option for me? That's a really good question. I know when we bring up the subject of money, it's often a very stressful topic because money is stressful, 
in our lives. Very often there is too much month and not enough money. And so if that's part of what you're walking through these days, you may be saying, this all sounds great. I do not understand how this can be a part of my life. So you know what's wonderful when we study this concept in Scripture is that we're invited to start where we can. Um, you know, I think about my, my son, Will, who's 10 years old. And uh, after the first Sunday, as we were talking about the Big Give Challenge, uh, he said, Mom, you better make sure that I get that allowance this week because I want to do the Big Give Challenge. <laughs> I'm, I want to give as a part of that. I love that. I love that, that as a 10-year-old, he can do that. That was part of my experience. I began tithing when I was a kid as well, and it shaped my heart as a kid. Part of giving and, and tithing is that we can start where we are. Uh, here's some helpful steps. Uh, this is called a giving ladder, and this might help you when you think about where, you're, where you are at and what you're able to do. And the first step would be to make a first-time gift, to start giving for the very first time. Um, second uh, is to give consistently. And when you do that, it's a regular predetermined amount. Maybe you'll do what we do in our house and set it up as an automatic gift. We've got a great system that makes that easy to do if you give online or others who mail a check um, or uh, drop that in the offering every week. People do that in different ways, but it's a, a consistent give of a regular predetermined amount. The next step to take is to give intentionally with an increasing percentage of your income. Uh, if you're walking through some challenges in your finances and, and you maybe have some work to do with some budgeting and saving and debt reduction and some of those pieces, and, and you know that all of these things have to be connected in how you steward your money. And so perhaps for you, starting to give incrementally means uh, choosing a percentage that then grows over time, somewhere between 2% and 9%. Uh, and then you can get to the point where you're giving a full tithe, that first 10%. And then after you're at that point in your giving, continue to grow in your giving. That's what the scripture teaches us, to grow in the grace of giving, to give abundantly. So you can start where you are and take a first Now, friends, we've covered a lot of ground today. There's a lot to think about, a lot to process here. And I believe that this area of your life can foster a deeper relationship with Jesus. Because how we handle our money shapes our hearts. And I believe that all of us can experience greater freedom and greater joy as we surrender this area of our lives to God. And who knows what God might want to do in us and through us as we give together. Your money is a spiritual issue. So I want to encourage you today and in the days to come to lean in. Have a conversation with someone over lunch today. Pray about it this week. And be ready to join us at whatever level you decide for the Big Give Challenge next Sunday. Will you stand and pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we're so grateful for the way that you invite us to trust you. So Lord, we pause in your presence today 
proclaiming, God, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are worthy of our praise. Lord, that, that your power is beyond what we can comprehend. Lord, as, as we think of you seated on the throne today with all that we have going on in our lives and all that's happening in this world around us, God, we thank you that we can rest in who you are and your provision. Lord, I pray for each of us today. Lord, as we think about this very daily area of our lives, of, of our finances, God, would you continue to shape our hearts? Lord, would you help this to be an area of joy in our lives and an area of trust and an area that we can encounter you? And God, I pray that as we seek to be faithful in this area, that you would do some really awesome things in us and through us for the sake of your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the way that you invite us to join you in what you're doing. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.